This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we preview the Bates men's and women's basketball seasons. Plus, we talk with a pair of Bates fall sports student-athletes who turned in historic performances this year. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates men's basketball team is eyeing a bounce back year when they open the season this Saturday at 2 p.m. when the Bobcats host Clark University at Alumni Gym. Bates men's basketball all-time career wins leader, head coach John Furbush, previews the season. Well, Coach, obviously coming into this year, uh, you've got um, a clear leader in Stefan Baxter and what he's been able to do throughout his time at Bates. He's now a senior here. So what can you say about what he's been able to do during his time and what you're looking for maybe from him as kind of the next step this year? He's had an interesting path here given the COVID year where um, that would have been a great transition sophomore season to play with a guy like James Mortimer um, where he wouldn't have to take the burden of, of everything. And so he kind of went from a freshman role player to a junior who was playing 35 minutes a game and had to do everything, right? So um, to gain that experience last year and now moving into this year as a senior leader, he's just shown so much development, um, not as just as a player, but like bringing guys together after a, a really challenging season. Um, and I think he's given a ton of optimism to his entire team, but also the coaching staff. So I think we're going to be leaning on him hard this year, and hopefully the guys around him will um, pick up some of the slack where he may uh, need it. Well, and speaking of that, you know, Jameer Primer, I thought he started strong last year and then maybe teams made some adjustments, but he came on strong again at the very end and actually ended up being the rookie of the year in the state of Maine. So, I mean, what can you say about what he was able to accomplish? A guy who you didn't know much about, right, coming in. Jameer was, I was, wait, this is my 15th year, Aaron, and I have finally got somebody who kind of fell in my lap <laughs> I hear these unbelievable stories at other yeah. NESCAC schools where like guys are knocking on their doors and you know we've had a lot of those guys but none of them are that good like uh, but Jameer is is he's a all-league type of player um, I think now that he has a year of experience under his belt and kind of knows what to expect he's on every scouting report now but he's also going to be the beneficiary of you're still going to put your best defensive player on Steph mm-hmm. um, and so he's going to have a secondary defensive player on him which I think is a, a mismatch um and just maturity-wise, too, I think you, you don't know what you don't know. And now that he knows, like, you have to play at a certain level every day and practice every day in a game, um, I'd like to think this would be a pretty good breakout season for him on both sides of the ball. He's an elite defender. That's yeah. one thing that um, I've been impressed with him so far this season. So I, I hope to uh, lean on him more on the defensive side. I thought his shot really came on strong last year. Like, early on he wasn't hitting outside shots, and then he started knocking those down. Yeah, his confidence shooting is yeah. incredible. I mean, in practice – um, he's one of the few guys I feel like are consistently making catch-and-shoot threes. And when he's doing that, he's an impossible yeah. kid to guard because he's so good in transition going downhill and he's physical at the rim. Um, I'm trying to get him to play above the rim again, but, you know, he's he's uh, he's making it sound like he's an old man. And I'm like, yeah, you got one season in you. you got, you're fine. You can still dunk the ball, Jay. Come on, man. But, yeah, he's good. Excellent. And then so those are obviously two of your, you know, your, your key guards. Tell us about the post players and what you expect to see from them this year. Yeah, we have four guys playing the five this year, and they all are entirely different players, which is unique. So I think we have like a four-headed monster we can throw at um, different teams. Uh, Steve Ward is more of a six-six uh, bully, yeah. and and he's not he you know he's he can play above the rim, but that's not necessarily what he's going to do defensively. 
Um, but he's got good ball skills. He's always getting us to our next action. Um, so I think he's going to be a, a, a great starter for us. Um, and then between, you know, Cam Riley, Devin Harris, and Shawer Mayen, um, those guys all bring unique dynamics. You know, Cam can really shoot it. Devin and Shawer are, are way above the rim defensively, can really protect at the rim so we can be a little bit more aggressive on defense on the perimeter. Um, and they all understand how to play and what we're trying to do. So I think that they're, uh, they're going to be kind of game-to-game guys on what we need for that game based on the matchup. But I feel, I feel very confident that all four guys can really help us be successful. Well, you mentioned Schwer Maiwen, and he is one of uh, a bunch of guys who are from Maine. And in fact, from Lewiston in some cases. It's a very local team, which is not necessarily a common thing, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, coming out of COVID, we just... You know, we couldn't really go anywhere right. to recruit. And, and last year, we last two summers ago, we could a little bit more. Um, but I was like, man, we got to take care of the guys in our backyard. And so between Shawer, David Omasambo, Peter Saihajis, and Brady Coyne, we have four main natives on our roster, all of which are having great practices so far. So, I mean, it, the nice thing about our, our depth at the guard position is that I feel confident I can go with anybody. The challenging part is that I can go with anybody, yeah. so it's it's. I think it, again, it's going to be a game to game thing, and I hope this week of practice, guys, kind of, you know, really compete and separate themselves as we head into the first game. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Simon McCormick, Drew Sachs, uh, Grant Nato. These guys are all big time contributors too, right? Yeah, all three of those guys. Um, you know, Drew's going to have a little bit of a uh, transitional period. He's, right. His first, his our first basketball game is his last football game, That's and right, so he's yeah. probably, you know, looking at post Thanksgiving before we can actually get him up to speed and everything. Yeah. But yeah, Simon's great. Grant's great. Um, both of them are making cases to start, and uh, you know I got some tough decisions to make. But these are the decisions I'd rather have than you know a cliff after four or five guys. Sure, yeah. And then obviously Simon last year really had some strong moments and really what was his first uh, season, right? I mean he's a junior now, but last year was his first year, and he got rookie of the week. Seems like every, almost uh, every other week it seemed like in Maine the way he played. Right? Yeah, he's somebody that. Um, you know, the first two games where he went like three for five from three, no one knew about him. And then yeah. after about five games in, every time he checked in, you could hear the assistant coaches on the other team, shooter, shooter, right. shooter. So he's yeah. he's all over the scout. But what he's done really well this offseason, he's able to create more off the bounce. Um, so he's not just a catch-and-shoot guy. And, and the way that we're playing this year on offense, he's he's just hard to guard. He, he cuts with a purpose. Um, he just knows where to be at all times. So I think his... He's a guy that uh, will end up playing a lot of minutes for us. Last year, obviously, you mentioned, you know, it was kind of a tough season for the Bobcats. Um, seems like there's maybe a little bit more stability this year in terms of the team and whatnot. It seems like and more experience. Obviously, everyone's got that year under their belt. So what are you looking to see mainly, you know, improvement from last year where it was coming off a of COVID season to this year? Yeah, uh, uh, I was looking at the stat sheet earlier. I think we started 13 or 14 different guys last yeah. year out of necessity COVID injury. So, um I expect a much more consistent group of guys in the rotation, which will will obviously be a lot easier to coach and manage. Um, but I think the experience is the best teacher, and what these guys gained last year uh, is that the difference between winning and losing is not much in this league. And I think of games like Colby, Amherst, Tufts, um, there's three off the top of my head where we were in position to win all those games and we were not at full strength, and, and you got to execute and, and – do your job um, in those moments. So I think that these guys should be very optimistic that now that we're at more of a full strength and more consistent rotation, 
Um, and all those guys are back. So I think that we have a great opportunity to be successful this season. I remember the first NASCAR game of the year last year was Wesley, and, like, you're missing, like, half the team, and it was quite the battle, though. Oh, my God, yeah. We were down four starters, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and I remember, you know, Coach Riley, who um, was the coach here before me, yeah. and he kind of looked down and silently said, who are those guys? You know, right. he, they're looking through their scouting report trying to figure out who was who. But we were competitive. I mean, I think it was a one-possession game, mm-hmm. two, three minutes to go. Um, Steph had an incredible game that game. But again, that should just give these guys confidence that we have the pieces. We just have to the, the to commit to the details and all the things that we're doing with with our offense and defense. And you know, I think the the ceiling's really high with this group. Um, we showed that the the floor was pretty low last year, but I think um, you know we should feel good that we have a chance to be very good this year. Tell us about this um, first year from Colorado. We mentioned all the Lewiston kids. We have a first year from Colorado who sounds like pretty exciting uh, prospect here. Yeah, Elliott's uh, had a great preseason, and, you know, with recruiting, I'm sure a lot of coaches feel the same way. You, you always think they're good until they get here, and then you're like, man, they, did, I, did I make the right decision? And uh, Elliott has, has validated that for me. Um, I remember going out to watch him last or yeah, last fall in a, in a men's league game or a pickup game, and I was like, wow, this kid can really play. And um, uh, he's, he's had a great preseason, and the first 12 days of practice, he can really shoot it. He's got incredible footwork. His IQ's up the charts. Um, you know, he, he, this past weekend he made a few defensive mistakes that I've let him know about, and hopefully we'll continue to correct. But um, yeah, no, he's he's somebody that's going to be on the floor a lot this winter, I think. For a rookie coming into the Nets, CAC is defense more of an adjustment typically than scoring? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, his job's going to be pretty easy on offense when you have guys like Steph and Jameer who are mm-hmm. able to create so much, and even Grant for that matter. Um, so you just got to spread the floor and be able to shoot it. And, and obviously when your time arrives to attack, you attack. But because we're switching one through four defensively, you have to know personnel on everybody's uh, roster. So that he's going to be in positions where you might be guarding a bigger four at one time when we switch, but you also might be guarding someone like Steph when you switch on to a point guard. So and, and he's got the speed and the technique, and he's got the will and desire. So um, I don't think that'll be a problem for him, but I think – the first few games will be a wake-up call, and, and hopefully he's ready to answer that. Great. Well, any other thoughts you want to share on the upcoming season, what people can expect to see from this year's version of the Bobcats? Yeah, I think our, our at least as of right now, our connectivity within our group is really high. I think the way we're playing, we're sharing the ball. Guys are feeling part of everything that we're doing. I think we're really competing on defense. And um, I, I just the way they're conducting themselves right now gives me a lot of hope that they're eager to, to learn more and compete and 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 get back to where we were, you know, pre-COVID. So I think, uh, you know, we're obviously going to rely on Steph's leadership a lot, and and I think he's ready to answer that challenge. So um, hopefully this weekend, first Clark, we'll we'll show you something. All right, Coach. Thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. It's a doubleheader of Bates basketball as the defending NESCAC champion Bates women's basketball team opens its season immediately following the men's game as the Bobcats host number 11 nationally ranked Tufts in a non-conference game this Saturday at 4 p.m. National Coach of the Year finalist Allison Montgomery talks about the new look Bobcats and the season ahead. I think it's always obviously exciting to open a new year and there's a lot of excitement around, you know, first game of the season. But I think, yeah, it's a really cool opportunity to just, um, like you said, be tested right away. I think across the board, across all sports, but definitely in women's basketball, you know, our conference opponents are definitely our most challenging matchup. So um, to start right away with a real test, um, is really exciting, and I think it's been helpful also to just focus our team um, as we've prepared. You know, I think three weeks of practice feels like um, 
not even close to enough for coaches, but I think for players, it feels like they're ready. They're ready right now to play a game. And so I think to keep them focused with um, an opponent that they know is it's, it's going to be a really intense matchup. I think that's helpful too. And then you have, of course, in terms of returnees, you have senior captain Megan Graff, preseason first team All-American, D3Hoops.com, obviously NESCAC player of the year last year. What's the next step uh, for her and her, I mean, because she's at the top of her game in terms of Division Three, but what how could she be even better, perhaps? We've talked a lot of, about a lot of things um, to continue to evolve her game. And um, she has a new challenge this year in terms of, you know, last year, um, in the years leading up to last year, she was surrounded by a really familiar cast um, with a group of women who came in the same year as her and she played a lot of minutes with for her whole career thus far. So I just think in terms of developing that chemistry, um, you know, they had a real opportunity to do that. And so... I think she has, you know, her as well as all the women on our team this year, but have a new challenge to just um, just change our identity a little bit this year and to figure out, um, yeah, just to build chemistry, really, um, because we have, you know, some women who are going to be, um, you know, have definitely been contributors in the past, but who are going to be evolving into new roles. And so I think that's going to be, you know, um, where Meg is going to have to, you know, sort of evolve with the team around her. And, um, you know, obviously we're going to, She's going to bring a lot to the table, but I think it's also going to be about, you know, how does she um, get everyone around her to elevate and to just develop a chemistry that's, you know, um, that's really that works for our entire group and not just our All-American. And then speaking of, you know, some of the other returnees, you have Morgan Kennedy and Alexandra Long. I mean, Morgan Kennedy, I mean, has been, you know, played a lot last year, obviously, was had some big games and. Uh, Long or A Rose, as she's mm-hmm. called, right? Yeah. Didn't play at all really to start the year and came on really strong late. Tell us about these two and kind of what roles you envision for them this season as they continue their development because I feel like there's a lot of potential here for some breakthrough seasons. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, so those two women in particular are kind of our returners who've really had, who have been battle tested with game experience. And, you know, Morgan started uh, most of the year last year. Um, and then a Rose actually sort of took that role the first half of the season. Allison Kennedy was sort of our six man, um, at that guard spot. And then, um, she got injured and a Rose took over. So yeah, they both have great game experience. They, um, are both really smart, high IQ players, which is great. Um, and they, they sort of have a really good understanding of what we're trying to do on the court. Um, and at that guard spot, they both bring like some really nice length as defenders. Um, so really excited about the two of them. I think both in terms of just their ability to even level up a little bit more, um, from their contributions last year. And then also they've stepped into important leadership roles. Um, so we're really looking forward to sort of both dimensions of what they're going to bring to the team. And then unfortunately, obviously, you know, Brie Galletta with the injury, she's, she's a team captain though. Um, who, who are you looking to fill some of those post roles? Because Ari and Taylor have graduated. Yeah. And so, I mean, are we going to see some first years out there? How are you going to mix it up a little bit? And how can Bree still, you know, be a leader even when she can't play kind of? Yeah. I mean, first of all, just it's such a heartbreaking part of the game. Just yeah. part of competing is um, losing people due to injury and obviously in her senior year and as a captain. So that's a big loss for us on the court. But she is a superhuman, mature woman who has already found ways to just put the team ahead of herself, um, where I think she could be um, in a totally different spot mentally than she is. Um, she's really working every day to um, 
motivate the team and to help the team in terms of sharing all the experiences she's had on the court. So she's already doing that. And I expect that she's going to be a huge influence on our team collectively. And then specifically the women who are going to play that position this year. So we have three, um, three people who are getting all the reps right now at that five position. And so Jenna Barron's, who's a senior and, you know, she had a lot of opportunity her freshman year. She really had a great, um, first season, of course, didn't have a sophomore season. And then last year, um, had a little bit less minutes, you know, due to, you know, having just a deep upper class group at that spot. So, you know, I think I'm really excited to see her step into that role, return to that role a little bit as a senior. Um, we have Delaney Wachiku, who's a junior, who's had a great preseason so far. She's just, um, she has a ton of potential and she's really played with some recent consistency. So we're excited for her. And then we have a first year Elsa Delario, who brings a ton of length and size um, yeah, who we're expecting to kind of round that out. So I think it'll be interesting. I don't, in so many ways, like we're again, trying to really figure out, um, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna rise into those roles. But right now I see all of those three women contributing at that spot. Elsa, for those who don't know, is the daughter of Adrian Scheibels, one of your mentors, yeah. right? In terms of yeah. the coaching profession, who's now at Dartmouth. So what's it like to have her daughter and coaching her daughter? Yeah, it makes me feel old. <laughs> um, no, it's awesome. It's really cool. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, it's neat to, you know, it's obviously neat to, to mentor and to work with all the women in our program. It's kind of interesting though, to have a woman that I've, you know, known since she was four years old. Um, and who has, you know, basketball in her blood in so many ways. And she's obviously had the unique experience of really being around, growing up around basketball and particularly NESCAC basketball. So, um, that's kind of interesting, but yeah, really cool, really special. Um, you know, so excited that she chose, um, to have her career here at Bates. So it's, it's, it's a pretty cool and unique, unique scenario. Another one of the attorneys I wanted to ask about is Caleb Bridgman, who, who obviously has, um, done a lot in the community, uh, working with the semi-pro team that's, uh, here, the Maples and whatnot. And, um, a guard who's a really, you know, I think strong defender and, and passer. And, and what do you see of kind of how she fits in? I think she is going to be, we, I'm so excited for her year. Mm. I think I've just, um, you know, again, similar to how I was just talking about Jenna, like I think Kayla has just, you know, we, we've had really um, great upperclassmen ahead of her for a couple of years. And she's, she's done so much to make our program better every year that she's been here, both at the way that she's, um, challenges people on the court and just all she brings, um, in terms of her energy and her vibe, like she is so committed, um, and she's a great teammate. So she's had a great preseason. She is a really, really good defender. She's strong. She's quick. She's athletic. Um, I, she's going to rebound a lot for us. Um, Mm. she's a really good rebounder at the guard spot. Um, and so really relying her on her for those things, but also like just as a woman who's been a part of our program and he was really, really contributed to its growth. Um, and so she's, you know, we rely on her again, both in those dimensions of, um, what she can bring as a player and also like her leadership and just, she, no one on our team, I think has more of a, a will to want to be successful. So. Is she someone? I mean, I remember last year when you needed to shut down an opposing guard, you put Mia Roy on them. Basically, yeah, is yeah. Kayla kind of like that in terms of a shutdown defender? Yeah, I think for sure. And she's worked super hard to like just be a great defender who can defend without fouling. It's always a trick to not foul the ball handler. And Mia got really good at that. And yeah, so I think Kayla's reliable in that way. Um, and I think we have a couple, you know, we have a couple new additions as first years who will hopefully serve that role. And then I think, like we already talked about with um, A Rose and Morgan they bring this unique dimension with their defense just in terms of their length. So 
um, yeah, but I do, we do definitely, you know, envision relying on Kayla in that way. Great. And then I guess, what are some points of emphasis you've been sharing with the team throughout these few weeks of practice? I mean, I, I know you kind of want to like almost forget about last year because yeah. it, it sets a standard. I mean, you want that to be the standard, but you don't want to bask in it. You want to move forward, right? Absolutely. I think, you know, take the, the, the soul of last year of like kind of what got, got us there. And I think we talk a lot about legacy in our program, right? So, um, I think our team takes a lot of pride in sort of the rise of our program and they take it pretty seriously to think about how to maintain it. But we talk about it not necessarily as like winning another championship, but being a championship level team. And what does that look like and how do we do that and how do we represent in that way? I think we've also spent some time this fall just talking about, um, you know, not at all approaching the season in terms of leading with fear of failure or, um, you know, what happens if like, I don't fill this role or we don't have the same, we don't win a championship, like not at all wanting to frame it like that, but to frame it instead, um, of just, you know, wanting to maintain the legacy of just being really, really competitive. Um, so there's that real, like, I think mental side to it. And then just practically we've really focused on what, what, um, has, has allowed our success in a much more tangible way, um, on the basketball court. And so, statistically we've talked a lot about um the last couple of seasons we're really effective taking care of the ball and valuing possession in that way and then also in rebounding so um you know i think you know i'm not we're not saying we have to you know exactly repeat those statistical categories but i think those things are things we're really valuing and we're also thinking about some other ways that we can even be a little bit different um we have a really fast athletic team we're hoping to transition um a lot maybe even more so than last year so Great. And then you have some interesting trips. Um, you have a trip to Puerto Rico in December. How'd that develop? Yeah, I think we just, um, you know, coming off a portion of time where things were really shut down and we yeah. didn't really have the ability to travel far. Um, it's definitely been a goal of mine to try to take a trip at least every four years so that every woman woman here can have a chance to do kind of a, a fun trip over that winter break when everyone else has a bunch of times time off and we're here under the snow. So um, yeah, that just ended up being one that we um, we committed to last year and, yeah, really excited about it. And I think a trip as sort of sexy as that I've been putting off till I felt like my team was mature enough to be able to say, like, yes, we're going to Puerto Rico and there will be um, lots of sunshine and a beach. But really the purpose of the trip is to go win a couple games against some good opponents. So, um, yeah, I think this is the first year I've really, as a coach, taken that leap of like, oh, this will be a fun trip, but it's not a vacation. Um, <laughs> we're going to play a couple games. So Great. Well, any other thoughts you wanted to share maybe on like the landscape of the NESCAC or, or on your team we haven't got to talk about yet? Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I try not to focus too much on the landscape of the NESCAC. Yeah. I think I just prepare myself by knowing every year it's going to be incredibly competitive everybody you know is is finding ways to to stay competitive and i think the cool thing about our conference is right like it doesn't really matter who graduates like the competitive level um it just it stays at a high standard so really just trying to focus more on us um and also i think pushing myself as a coach to you know not only get our women in the right space of you know coming off a successful year and thinking about there's definitely unique challenges to this as opposed to you know the steady climb we've had the last couple of years so trying to prepare myself and my mentality um, as much as we're focusing on preparing that for our women. But so far, just really, really happy with um, how hard they're working and how invested they've been in each other. And um, just it's, yeah, really fun 
group to coach. So I'm excited to to get the season started to kind of start really shaping what our identity will be. All right, Allison, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcats and previewing the season. Thanks, Aaron. The Bates field hockey team produced its fourth winning season in the last six years, finishing the 2022 campaign with a record of 9-7 and seven and 5-5 five and five in NESCAC play. The Bobcats were also ranked most of the season, finishing the year as a 20th-ranked team in the country. On Tuesday, junior captain Paige Cody was named a first-team all-NESCAC forward, becoming the first Bates field hockey first-team all-conference selection since 2008. She dished out 13 assists this year and broke the program record for assists in a career. And Paige Cody is our female Bobcat of the week. Well, Paige, first of all, just looking back kind of on the season in general, this is a team with only one senior because a lot of the your class reclassified. So what kind of development did you see from the program and how excited does it make you for next year when almost everyone's coming back, right? Yes, we are very excited for next year. And I think we put in a lot of work last off season and that was a big difference maker for this year. So I think we're hoping to do the same thing just with so many returners. We're really excited for next season. 13 assists. A lot of those were shots you ripped on goal and they were deflected in kind of. I mean, did you see that kind of as your role coming into the year as someone who's going to be firing a lot of shots and hopefully having them tipped in like that? I mean, how did that go in terms of getting all those assists? A lot of it was on corners. So mm-hmm. as a striker on corners, we're looking like to connect with our teammates to score if the initial shot's not going to go in. And I think we were pretty successful with that this year. As the season went along, were you realizing like how many times you were you know, getting those assists and whatnot? I mean, or is that not something you really noticed with the stats? Um, I didn't really know about it or like pay attention to it or realize like the record or anything until I had it and my coach texted me. Um, But yeah, that's really cool. But yeah, I think just as a team, we have so many people that can score and that's why we were able to be so successful because we weren't relying on just like one player or even just two players to do everything. We could really spread it out amongst the whole team, which was awesome to see. Yeah, one of your teammates, uh, also one of the ones who reclassified, Cammie Lambert, had a big year. What was it like connecting with her so many times? Yeah, she's awesome. She's always low and ready, working so hard constantly. So it was really great to see like her points and everything reflect all the work that she's put in. Now, you're the oldest sister of three, and all three of the Cody's are from Auburn, right next door to Lewiston, and all play field hockey. So how did that become kind of your sport growing up? So my younger sister, Anna, actually started playing before me. Okay. Um, And it was always something that I wanted to do. So when I got to middle school, I started playing. And then we were lucky we got to play together in high school. And that's when my youngest sister started playing too. So I think my parents are just as into it as we are, which is fun for them to see. Did, and did your your mom ever play field hockey or anything like that? Yeah, so my mom actually played in Ireland, so I think she was really excited when we started to get into it. Was she almost like another coach uh, having played or anything like that, or no? Well, the game was really different back when she played, <laughs> right. so it's funny for her to like comment on our games and how much it's shifted. <laughs> gotcha, so it's a completely different sport, yes. sort of. Yeah, okay. And then... Um, when you were looking at colleges, take us back kind of then, like, you know, what made Bates kind of the place for you, you know, coming from so close by? Um, initially, I never thought I would come to Bates just because it was so close. Um, and so that's, I knew Danny very well. So I decided to make this like my first tour, not really expecting to like it. And then I loved it and just compared everywhere afterwards to Bates. How'd you know Danny? I mean, she's obviously feel like he's seen, you know, somewhat, I mean, sort of everyone knows each other a little bit. Is that fair? <laughs> so she actually coached the club that I played for. Okay. So I got to like know her and her coaching style and really loved that. And so I was super happy when I loved the school too, and then could piece them together. And it was really awesome. Is she different as a club coach than she is as a college coach? Any, change, any similarities, differences? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she is a really great coach and like, 
she inspires the players to like want to succeed for her, which I think is awesome. And she also like demands the best out of us and pushes everyone to be their best. Um, so yeah, it's super fun to play for her, and I'm really happy. And it just was announced. We're talking on Tuesday here. It was just announced your first team All NESCAC. So what does that mean to you to you know have that honor? You know, a Bates player hasn't been first team All NESCAC since 2008. So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I was pretty surprised to see that. Honestly, that's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I think we have so many people on the team who could have been recognized. Um, but yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> and then um, you know, we talked about a little bit like you know the plans for the off season and whatnot. You know, you know as a group and and everything. I mean. You know, you, you you had some close battles this year. I mean, the NESCAC, it just seems like, I mean, every other game you're playing a top-five opponent. I mean, what's that like going through that gauntlet each season? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard to be, like, disappointed when we lose to number five by one goal, and it's such a close game. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what's so great about the NESCAC. It's that anyone could win on any given day, and it's such a competitive conference, and usually the national champion or runner-up comes from the NESCAC. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome that we get a chance to play the best teams in the country. Do you, do you feel like the NCAA tournament is uh, a goal the team's going to set like pretty firmly for next year? Definitely. I think especially after coming so close this year and being ranked for the majority of the season, we have really high hopes and expectations for next season, and we're all really excited and ready to start working for that now. Awesome. Well, Paige Cody, the all-time assist leader at Bates, still one more year to go for you. Uh, thanks again for joining us here on the Bobcast. Thank you. In men's soccer, sophomore Tiffe Agunloye scored four goals in NESCAC play, the most scored by anyone in the NESCAC in-conference matches this season. He is the first Bobcat to pull off that feat, and he is our male Bobcat of the week. Four goals for you in NESCAC play. You're the first Bobcat to ever lead the NESCAC in goals in conference play in program history. Tell me about you know the season you had, um, kind of your second year, and uh, you know in the program and how you saw yourself develop from your first season, perhaps. Um, I think it all comes down to Coach Noah. Um, once we heard the news that Tyler was leaving this summer, um, he kind of called me um, directly after the meeting or a couple of days after the meeting to discuss um, our plans and his plan for me um, for the season and what I could work on during the summer and um, at the beginning of the season. So um, I owe it all to him and Nano um, and my teammates for pushing me to be the player that I can be. and. Um, motivating me and helping me get in positions, um, especially Alex Alex Worsevitz, um and Henry Kunzler. Um, those are two of my close friends on the team that we worked a lot this offseason on movement off the ball and finishing. So um, I think just overall um, being able to score four goals is a great individual accomplishment, but we weren't able to make NESCAC playoffs, which is, I think, our ultimate goal for next season. Right. Well, you guys did have a pretty strong finish of the year. A lot, a lot of ties. A lot of ties. <laughs> lot of yeah. ties. And obviously, one of those ties was the four-four-one against Wesleyan. I think it was four-four. It was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is incredibly high scoring for yeah. for soccer. You had two goals in that game, so that was one of the more memorable ties, I suppose. Take us through that game and how that went, because you guys had to rally from down, right? Yeah, we were down three-nil at half, and we kind of spoke amongst ourselves at halftime. And Noah and Nano came in afterwards, and we just came to the conclusion that. We had nothing to lose. Um, we we understood that we loved playing for each other and playing together, so we just kind of channeled that and decided to just go all out and play like we had nothing to lose. So at the end of the day, um, we ended up tying the game, which was great. Um, my parents were there. My my club coach was the assistant coach in the Wesleyan, so it was good to um, kind of rub that in his face. <laughs> well, yeah, because you went to high school in Connecticut, right? Yes, I did. So tell me a little bit about growing up, perhaps, before you went to high school, but like growing up and when you started playing soccer, what really got you into the sport? 
Um, what got me into the sport was actually my uncle on my um, dad's side. He came over from Nigeria, and we just started kicking a ball around in our backyard. My brother and I have a twin that goes to Bowdoin, so they're also they're in NCAA. They found out yesterday, which um, that's all I'm going to hear about over Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, we grew up playing together. Um, my parents played a huge role in helping us just develop as players, um, getting us on teams, um, providing us with um, – the the equipment and the gear and the goals and just be, like driving us to practice so we're super appreciative of them um and we went to um boarding school so it was that was also an experience um in terms of developing away from home and without our parents so so boarding school in Connecticut then yes so where'd you grow up then um Connecticut oh but, but so, okay like just, an hour away an hour yeah. away from boarding we, school yeah. gotcha okay gotcha and then um well what made Bates kind of place for you when you were looking for colleges I think NESCAC, we, we understood that NESCAC was one of the best leagues in the nation. Um, Tyler and Noah did a phenomenal job in the recruiting process, and they made, us feel, or they made me feel wanted um, as a player and as a person. And talking about it with my parents and understanding that I'd not only be challenged as an athlete, but also academically um, played a huge role in choosing Bates, and I love it here so far. So made the right choice. Great. Well, academically, yeah, what are you studying? Um, philosophy and economics. Gotcha. What what got you interested in those fields, perhaps? Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I've I've always been interested in business and also um, philosophy. I can't really pinpoint what is interesting about it. Or I find it interesting. Some people don't. Um, <laughs> I enjoy writing essays. I enjoy challenging myself and looking at other people's opinions on things. So I think yeah, that's mostly it. Was it? You know, looking back to your first year last season, what was the transition like to college from high school? I mean, because the boarding school experience maybe prepares you pretty well. I don't know what were your yeah, thoughts. Uh, yeah, it definitely prepared me pretty well. Yeah. Um, just the aspect of being away from home and having to um, seek out my teachers. Um, I think that's one thing kids kind of struggle with is like going to extra help or knowing that you have all these opportunities for you um, to get help because um, professors want you to do well at the school, especially. And... Um, at my high school, we had a smaller class environment, so that's also a big reason why I chose Bates is being able to know your peers and know your professors. And we did a story on this earlier in the year, but you're involved with uh, the Rosati Leadership Academy here as one of the you know students who helps out and whatnot um, as part of the soccer program. Tell me about how you got involved with that um, and uh, what you enjoy about it the most. I think I'll start off with what I enjoy about it the most is just being able to see um, kids sort of in my footsteps and be able to help them with what I wasn't able like to be helped with um and just like kind of play that older brother role and um look out for kids and just help mentor them in different aspects that they don't get mentored at home also playing a sport that I love and um it was kind of random how we got into it um just a couple of friends and I and Noah was like oh there's this after school program if you want to come play soccer um, come play. We decided to go over. Um, we realized it was much more than soccer. It was more leadership, more mentorship, which is um, phenomenal. And um, I think the project that they're doing there is very, very um, well um, organized and it's very good um, for the kids. So, Excellent. Then, um, you know, looking ahead to next year, you mentioned obviously turning some of those ties into wins. What are some, you know, steps you see the, how you and the men's soccer program in general can t- kind of take the next step in development sort of? Um, first is we're just a great group of kids. We all love playing soccer, which is, um, it's a great experience to be a part of, um, in terms of turning those ties into wins. It's just, um, 
playing for each other as we've been doing, working this offseason um, with each other and pushing each other and challenging each other in our mental aspects and coming together as a team on and off the field. So I think um, we're off to a great start. We've um, been lifting. We've been playing. Um, we just need to continue that through um, Thanksgiving, winter break, and next year, and I think we'll be in a great spot. Tiffa, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Congrats again on being the leading goal scorer in conference play in the entire NESCAC. Thanks again. Thank you so much. The football team fell to undefeated Trinity on senior day despite two more receiving touchdowns for Christian Oliveri. Head coach Matt Coyne looks back on the loss and previews the final game of the season this Saturday at noon when the Bobcats visit Hamilton. Well, Coach, a game like Trinity, a team like them, as a coaching staff, do you really go over the film a lot or not at all, perhaps? Do you just put the game away and say, we're moving on next week? Or is there things to learn from it? I think there's a lot to learn from it. Um, you know, in regards to the film, you know, I don't really watch much of that. Um, obviously, they were physically imposing on us, and um, that was a litmus test for the future of Bates to see where you have to get to. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons um, that we talked about with our guys was, those kids at Trinity didn't show up looking like that. They obviously put a lot of work in, in the weight room. They put a lot of work um, in the continuity of their systems. Their coaching staff's been together for 15 years. So, I mean, that has a lot to do with uh, their success. You know, a lot of respect for their staff, um, a lot of respect for, you know, the success that they've had. Um, but that's a litmus test for the future here and saying, hey, like, you know, guys, if you want to be up there, you got to put the work in. Um, and, and we will, and I think... You know, you just got to, you know, at times lick the wounds, uh, learn from it, and get ready to move on. Um, and, and we flushed that pretty quickly. Um, you know, I didn't think the kids gave up by any means. Uh, I think they were the better team, and they were better than us. And um, we rode with them, and I kept saying to the guys out there, you know, I'm right here with you guys. You know what I'm saying? We were in a, we were in a bad, uh, you know, cycle there, and um, just got to learn from it, though. That's all we could do. And then, obviously, you know, Trinity, there were some big plays in the game, but you got them to third down when they were on offense a fair amount of times. So they were just able to convert a lot of those, but that must have been, you know, encouraging in terms of, like, forcing them to kind of earn it a little bit. Yeah, I think we did some some good things at spots. Um, you know, they just were able to convert the passes, and, you know, Spencer Fetter's a good quarterback, and the kid Clapp and Devontae Reed, you know, they have great size, um, you know, and then their O-line was, you know, I thought we did pretty well in our in our in in some of our pressures early on. We got a couple sacks and did some things to discourage them, but we just had too many bonehead errors um, accompanied with, you know, playing a really quality team. You know, it can turn into you know, that type of outcome. You know, Colton, um, sophomore quarterback for you guys, 14 touchdown passes, also 14 interceptions this year. So he's been obviously, you know, airing it out quite a bit. What have you seen from him? I mean, he threw a couple picks early against Trinity. Then it seemed like maybe settled down a bit after that. But, I mean, tell me what you've seen from him and what the next step is for him to maybe cut down on those picks. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously snowballed on him a little bit. Um, you know, we set a few protections, you know, the wrong way a couple times. That really aided in it. And, uh, you know, for him, I think it's just, you know, continuity in the system and understanding how Coach Thompson's thinking and when he's calling things, where he wants him to go with it. Um, I think, you know, also we had a couple opportunities there where we could have held on to the ball a little longer for things to open up. Um, and we sort of got, you know, a little bit of happy feet there. But Colton, you know, what I talked with him about is, you know, we had a bad game against Colby in that second half. You came out against Amherst next week and, right. and played a great game. And I think that's one of his best attributes. And there's growing pains with a young quarterback, you know. And, and I think Colton's grown up a lot over the year. And, and his best trait is that he, he forgets it, you know. And Obviously, we have to eliminate those mistakes as we move forward because you can't be at a one-to-one -one ratio. 
um, touchdowns, interceptions. Obviously, a few of those being on fourth down, where we were throwing some up earlier in the year. So, um, but still, too many turnovers. Um, and and he'll clean that up, and we'll work through that, um, especially with the offense there. We talk about it every week, but Christian Oliveri once again. I mean, with that catch and run where he just outraced everybody on the Trinity was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that was one of the. The, the bright spots, yeah. uh, the few bright spots on the day on offense, uh, quite frankly. And Christian's done it all year. Um, like I said, I think he's, he's a top-quality player in this league. He's one of the best receivers in the league, um, and I'll stand by that. And he just comes to work every day, and, and, and he's motivated, and he just you know has the ability to make plays. Um, so he's, he's, he's been a heck of a player for us um, and a great human being as well. What was it like before the game to be able to, you know, honor these 20 seniors who have, you know, been through a lot here and obviously kept the program uh, stable? Yeah, I think that's, you know, I talked with them uh, Thursday, uh, Friday night, actually, mm-hmm. um, after talking about um, sort of what we were doing for the festivities and getting things arranged, aligned, and um, I, I can't put it into words, really. Um, it's been pretty special to be a part of it. Um, regardless of the record, there's been a lot of growth in this team. There's been a lot of growth in this program. Um, we're on the right direction, and, and these guys have a lot to do with that. And I think, you know, like I said before, they'll realize it after they've left here um, and they see sort of the, the part of foundation they have. But more importantly, from us as a staff, myself and, and the rest of the staff welcoming, welcoming us in in our first year together um, and being able to trust in us and, and come to work with us every day through the good, the bad, the indifferent, um, that's something that you know I appreciate on a very personal level. Great, and then this um, upcoming Saturday at Hamilton. Hamilton versus Bates has been some pretty classic games the last couple times the, these two teams have squared off. I'm sure Hamilton is looking to get some revenge this year, and obviously it's a, it's a long trip out there, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, another thing we talked about in that Sunday meeting was, you know, we're going to find a lot about our team this week. Um, you know, they have every excuse in the world to fall back on right now. You know, getting beat pretty good by Trinity, having to travel, you know, this, that, the other. Um, sore, tired, it's, you know, everybody has his excuses, and we talk about just don't be everybody, you know, like, um, it, it's, we, we got to come prepare, we get one week um, together uh, for the last time, this whole group, and, and we got one more in the chamber, you know, and that's what we talked about, and we know we're facing um, a team that has a ton of quality, um, they have a good quarterback, they do a lot of things on offense, formationally, motion-wise, that can give you some uh, um, problems there. Um, but for us, I think we just got to, you know, get back to the basics. We got to get back to work. Um, we got to get, you know, a, a good solid game plan and then, you know, embrace the adversity. And I think, you know, we learn from, from the losses that we have and, and we move, move forward and, and go put a good product out there in our last game. Yeah, what do you maybe look most hopeful to see in these final 60 minutes here? Uh, just just eliminating some of the mistakes, mm. just some of the, the bonehead errors and, and just coming together and playing hard, playing tough. Um, you know, showing what it what it what it takes to be resilient. I think you know nobody wants to lose six to their fourteen. And when I said to those guys, it's like sometimes you know you just got to face it. You, you don't lose, you learn from it. Um, there's a lot of other teams that go through some of this at the highest levels where you just get caught in the wash a little bit, and um, you just have to grow from it. Because regardless, you got to wake up and do it again. So it, it, it's it stinks for 24 hours, and it should stink, and, and people should be upset about it. You know, I know I was, and the staff was it. It's not fun to be out there in those moments, but um, you're going to grow from it, and you got to move forward and figure out the best way to put a, a positive note on it when you get to be able to attack it next week. Because if you win this game, that feeling uh, that we felt this past Saturday will be diminished a little bit. You know, so that's the only thing you do is move forward, and um, until someone builds a time machine and we can go back, then that's all we got. You know, so we will do that. All right, coach. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
next time on the Bates Bobcast. We'll recap the season openers for the basketball teams and look back at the NCAA East Regionals for the cross-country squads. Plus, we'll preview the squash and swimming seasons. That's next time on the Bates Bobcast.